Welcome back to another episode of The Geek Whispers. I'm Matt Brender. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm John Mark Troyer. And we're very pleased to bring back Sarah Vella, a longtime friend of the podcast, fellow podcaster, and uh, just community contributor extraordinaire. Uh, we're going to dig into a different side of what it means to, to look at your career uh, with Sarah. So let's just start with, if people don't know you already, Sarah, can you tell them a little about what you do? Sure. Um, so great to be on the show again. Hi, everybody. Uh, I work at Dell in the global communications organization. And my role there is to support the enterprise technology business uh, in social media. So I'm hand in hand with my PR and AR colleagues on the comms team, working on supporting and amplifying all of our product launches and announcements, executive thought leadership and relationships with bloggers, which is how I know so many people out there in podcast land. That's so perfect because if we look back in the the uh, old time machine uh, and and take a look at the beginning of the Geek Whispers, we started talking with the target of uh, engaging with people like you who are that community social media person that's into the technology. Um, but what's interesting is how we continue to to drive that together. So let's talk about prioritizing your work. So we're going to dig into um, some of the squishier, softer sides of career building today and talk about how our skills evolve into choosing what we do with our day-to-day lives. Um, Sarah, like we were talking before the show about how you prioritize your work uh, and bring other skills out of, out of, uh, of your day-to-day life and bring them into your career. So how do you make sure that your work brings you joy? So... First of all, you know, to be completely and perfectly frank, my work doesn't bring me joy every waking hour of every workday. And if anybody else's does, I salute them. <laughs> I think there are some people who are that's a lot of, perma- constantly that's a lot of joyful. Chocolate. Yeah. Maybe the Dalai Lama experiences <laughs> joy on a minute by minute basis. Um, I don't, but I but I really do enjoy my work for the most part. And I I guess what I've learned to try to do over the last couple of years is, I mean, you've all heard this, I think, but there's, there's that great saying, you know, think about what, what it was that you did when you were 10 and what you loved doing when you were 10. Um, and probably that's the same stuff that you'll love to do now. And what I loved doing when I was 10 was to create things. I was really into staging plays, making up stories. Um, I, I spent a lot of time in the woods kind of thinking about what the fairies were doing. (laughs) I can't, I can't do fairy stories at at work, or I think they would probably fire me. Um, But I can really focus on storytelling, you know, and as I got older and went to college, and then to graduate school, my focus really was on theater and film for a long time. And that changed, and I moved on to other things. But that basic understanding of storytelling structure, and also love of film and love of acting, and theater, I've learned to apply that to and to try to really kind of double down on as much, for example, video production work as I can do. Video obviously is very important in social. We all have seen the statistics about how multimedia content, especially visual content and video content, really does drive engagement. There's plenty of, you know, statistical research backing up the fact that I want to create that stuff. Uh, so it really I appreciate is you fit. throwing the numbers out there. That's numbers very important to this podcast. <laughs> numbers are good. But so, you know, it 
it, it doesn't hurt that this thing that I enjoy doing also happens to be something that supports the business. Um, I guess what I'm driving at is like I've learned there's lots of other things that would probably support the business as well that I wouldn't enjoy as much. So I try to focus on the things that I have fun doing and that I enjoy doing and that really energize me um, and that I know will also be supportive of, you know, the overall goal of the company. So video is one of those things. And I love about this because I think sometimes we hear from people who feel very stuck. And some of that is they are they're thinking very linearly about, you know, I don't have this set of skills that directly relates to that set of tasks. Mm -hmm. And I love your kind of opening it up to what do I really enjoy doing and how can I bring those things to bear in my day-to-day life? Um, It's such a great sort of turning on its head, if you will, of maybe how some people who are feeling trapped go about their, their job description or life. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody should do that, right? And, uh, you know, not to get too misty-eyed about everybody's jobs, because I I do think some people are legitimately stuck just by virtue of maybe the role that they're that they're in or the management structure that they're working under. But for the most part, I think people really, you know, will do better, will perform better, um, and will succeed more if they focus on doing those things that they're good at and that they enjoy and really lean into mm-hmm. that stuff. And yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to um, feed into the cult of the high performer too much. I think our society does a lot of that already, but the high performers that we have interviewed on this podcast, a common theme is uh, you've got to be passionate about what you're doing and that leads to high performance uh, and career success and da, 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 or whatever else you want. And it's not always about being passionate about your job. It's, it, yeah, it's about finding that thread in there of something you can be passionate about or, like you say, pivoting your job to, to things that you, you can f- at least make interesting for yourself. Yeah, And I don't think it always has to be just about the technology. I think we get people who are technologists and they are truly passionate about that. But what I love about Sarah's story and maybe what I relate to most is that um, the, the content will take care of itself. Some of the methodologies and ha- the how is, is where you get some of that passion from. I, I couldn't agree more, um, especially when you think about just the breadth of people that are more than just that, quote unquote, you know, engineer technologist that has a backlog of things to work on in the right order. Um, so what's really interesting and what I think is so relatable to Sarah's story is that um, most of the people in the, you know, the space in between those tech marketers, those developer advocates, those people that do different types of work, they get to choose a little bit more than I think we realize um, what work they do. So like leaning towards the things that make you satisfied. So did you notice at some point, Sarah, that you just started pivoting more towards a certain type of content? Like, um, did you have an epiphany along the way? Or was it just one of those things that you, you just needed to do out of your basic nature? I definitely had an epiphany. I can't remember the exact moment. I've had a couple of epiphanies along the way. I mean, just just getting back again to, I don't want to make it sound like video is the only thing that I do uh, that's joyful or that video is something that I do like 50% of the time because neither of those things are true. Um, but just sticking with that as, a, as an example, I can clearly remember, you know, the first video that I decided to create and working with the team and spending, you know, video shoots, even if it's just for a three or five minute video, that's almost always a a half a day venture, right, to get it all set up and put together. Um, And then you've got a couple of weeks of editing and, and finalizing. 
the time that I spent on that video uh, during the shooting was the most fun that I had, you know, up until that point that I worked on that video, that was the most fun that I had Adele, you know, in the first, whatever, six months that I was working there. Um, and that was a huge epiphany for me. Not that I'd been having a terrible time <laughs> the rest of the six months, but just to realize that, you know, a half a day had gone by in a flash, that I'd had a really, really fun time, that I'm good at coming up with ideas on the spot when I'm in that kind of an environment, that I'm smart, that I think on my feet, that I can make things work and, and make you know, make good choices and move things along that I was really in my element. Uh, it, it was a definite moment for me when I thought, oh, this is why I was doing this in college and why I really like doing it. You know, I, I, I ultimately decided that a, a life in the theater was not a life for me for a lot of really valid reasons. But the action of doing it all, uh, the joy of that never went away for me. So I had a big aha moment when I started doing that for sure. <laughs> So Geek Whispers, what do you think of that moment of realizing your, you know, maybe softer or other type of hard skills have uh, quite a lot of value in, you know, your your current career track? Can you think of moments like that where you're like, this is something that people do? I have been writing short form copy since uh, it was a thing and I never thought about it. So 10 years in publishing you know, I hopped between industries. How do you possibly hop? Well, content is content. People are people. I, I'm I'm in love with that 10,000-hour concept. But the thing is, I think sometimes we are putting in 10,000 hours that we don't know yet because it's not clear. The It's a it's often a, a sub-skill, something so granular that it doesn't jump out. You know, 20 years ago, you grew up and you were a nurse or a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer um, and now we all have crazy hyphenated titles. So work has changed. And I think the skills that it takes to do work have changed. So what might not have been valuable, even in your own eyes, suddenly become so in a, an industry full of niche? Well said, John. Yeah. I mean, well, for me, I certainly had some, of, uh, some sort of an epiphany moment at, at VMware my career obviously has been super varied, right? I started as a scientist, and then I was a programmer, uh, and then I was an entrepreneur, and I, I was at VMware uh, just through a series of, of random collisions. And But kind of halfway through my tenure there, I'm just doing my job, and right, some weeks are good and some weeks aren't, and I'm trying to fix stuff internally in the forums. We transitioned. We almost all got fired because they kept uh, <laughs> they kept breaking down and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Uh but in, somewhere in the middle of that VMware tenure, uh, all of a sudden, uh, it, people started to tell me or it started to dawn on me that, wait a minute, this, this, this thing, one, I'm good at, at, at learning things and explaining things, and two, I somehow seem to be good at connecting and helping people and, and, and talking to them. And so this, uh, all of a sudden, I'm not quite sure, like, I still can't explain it and I still can't train somebody to do what I did at VMware, and part of that was the, the conditions, but somehow the career started to line up for me that, oh, okay, Part of my job is to to explain to people and to bring them together and to uh, and to help help lift them up and that's what charges me up. There are days when I see people that that I know and have helped a tiny bit, uh, even for this podcast. Right, we've helped people and they've said thank you to us. You know, that's what charges me up a lot. Couldn't agree more. So so Sarah, tell us a little about how you how you change what your backlog looks like. So we all have work that we'd like to be doing and we have lots of work that we're asked to do. Um, what do you do at, in your day-to-day -day life to ensure that you keep 
creating the things that give you that sense of joy as you create them? Well, I might be a I don't know if I want to say unique, but I might be in a somewhat of an unusual position in that I'm there are other people on my team who do social media, but I'm the only person on my team who only does social media. So I I sort of have been able to, you know, I snuck into this group of PR professionals <laughs> um, who don't really understand what I do. <laughs> uh, and, and I got to kind of invent my job in a way within this team and define the parameters of it. So I'm super, super lucky in that rather than having somebody kind of hand me a job description and say, do these things, um, I got to walk onto the job and say, here are the things that I'm going to do. So right from the outset, I've been very lucky in that way. And I've been able to for for real kind of define um, the aspects of my job. But, you know, that doesn't mean that there aren't some day-to-day things that once you say, once you raise your hand and say, I'm going to manage, for example, these six social media accounts, then then you're responsible for them on a daily basis. So a lot of what I've had to do is create a very organized system for myself so that the things that need to get done on a daily basis get done. And I can check them off and I know that they're completed. And I've just learned how to be really efficient with the, you know, maybe somewhat more tedious but necessary aspects of my job so that I can get them done and out of the way and then be able to focus on the things that really uh, are fun and interesting for me that are more strategic or more creative uh, or more community focused. But Again, like I love this show because of the variety of people that you have on here and the different kinds of jobs that they have and the circumstances that they're in. And I feel like I might be speaking to some people who have that kind of freedom, but I recognize the fact that I'm super lucky in that I sort of get to make up the rules for myself. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's true. I don't, I don't necessarily want my heart surgeon to, uh, you know, have creative license in how they approach their job. <laughs> But there are two things I parsed out of that that I want to check and make sure are true. Like one is that you still have to be diligent on something else that people expect of you. So there is just a daily exercise that you keep up with. And if you drop that or you weren't doing that well, you probably wouldn't get as much freedom. And then number two is there's kind of a a gap that I'm curious about that. Like, how do you show the value from creating these videos and these other things? Or is that already built into the system? You you slipped that one in there, Matt. (laughs) What'd I do? I don't know. What happened? Well played. (laughs) I said said value. I didn't say metrics. (laughs) How do you show the value? (laughs) Don't come to What was the first part of that question? The first part wasn't a question so much as an acknowledgement that you have daily diligence that you have mm-hmm. to do. And that's that's something I just wanted to reinforce for our listeners that uh, I think What's the people... The fr- right? I, it, John taught me that phrase. I'm in love with it. You know, get get the dirty work out of the way, organize it so you can have more fun if that's yeah. possible within your job. Absolutely. Yeah. So you So you have that part. And I'd love to dig into that more of how you do that, how you stay diligent. Um, but then the actual question was like, but how do you show value from the other creative stuff? Or do you, does the day-to-day diligence give you the creative license to go play? So I do. Me- so we, me- we do measure um, engagement, page views, click-throughs, uh, all, all of the kind of you know, metrics that you would associate with the social media you marketing. Them, you can call them what they are, bullshit. Uh, um, all that bullshit. We measure yeah. all that bullshit. Um, 
for everything for everything that I do, pretty much. Um, but I'll say it's not it's not scrutinized, and it and it's not really um, because again because I'm living in the comms organization. Our mandate, our objective is less about you know we're at the awareness part of the funnel in a lot of ways. So I don't I don't really have to account for um, dollars spent. Uh, leads generated. Uh, those are not my objectives. Thank God. So, <laughs> so you know, there's more a sense of like, let's just make sure that everything is kind of rolling along in a steady fashion and, and that there's a gradual uptick in those numbers. And that seems to just kind of happen on its own in a way through consistency of posting and content. Um, I mean, obviously, there's some thought that goes into making sure that, that there's quality behind what we post, but there isn't really as much of a of a pressure um, in terms of, you know, making sure that I'm selling boxes. I don't have that mandate as much as I have the mandate of awareness and making sure that that we're driving viewers to new information, right? No, I, I really like that because it, it's more about cadence and seeing a consistent uptick as opposed to, you know, these massive numbers around a launch. Yeah. It's a different yep. approach. And I'll cop to the fact that I'm should probably care more about numbers and don't. Um, and and I just like speaking of things that bring me joy and things that don't. Um, measuring this kind of stuff doesn't bring me a lot of joy at all. Um, I, I totally see the value in it, but it's it's not where I it's not where I like to be. Um, high five, like, sister. High five. I, I like but. to make beautiful things. I don't really like to see how well they're doing out in the world, <laughs> which is problematic. Amy. That's why Amy and I are friends. <laughs> Keeps us together. One makes the beauty. One goes and scrutinizes it after. <laughs> it's hard, man. You know, because some the number. Well, we've talked all about numbers and the bad metrics and things like that. But you know, so often uh, the numbers, uh, the things you are measuring, you don't really have the tools to move them in a way that are meaningful anyway. So, um, I'm with you, Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. We we don't have to beat that horse. It's long <laughs> long since died. So I think it's a good moment to change gears because I think another part of your story, Sarah, is one of major transitions and choosing to manage them and how you actually choose to move on. So there's some recent podcast news that uh, listeners of Speaking in Tech know well, but would you mind breaking it to the Geek Whisperer audience? <laughs> if, they, if they haven't heard already. I feel like I feel like I'm the you know the person who quit the show that's now doing like the talk show circuit. <laughs> um, I have left speaking in tech uh, as of last week, so it's all yours, Yoko. She <laughs> <laughs> finally yeah, broke up the first, brand. The first thing we have to do is get you on the Geek Whispers. So right. <laughs> So the very um, small separation in Venn diagrams of people that listen to us <laughs> and not to speaking in tech, um, it's it's a very popular show in enterprise IT, and you've been a co-host for, for years, and uh, Amy's occasionally been your snuffleupagus partner in crime there. So how do you manage that? Like, um, as opposed to saying why, more of the how, how did you come to terms with the, the decision and how did you step through that decision all the way to the action? You know, I, I, I've seen people, I mean, speaking of talk shows, I've seen people interviewed when they decide to either quit something very popular or stop, you know, or, or when a series producer decides, you know, at the, kind of at the peak of the series to, 
to cancel the show or whatever. And and you hear people use this expression a lot, which is like, I wanted to go out on a high note. I wanted to go out, you know, before things got bad. I don't think that things were going to get bad necessarily, but I appreciate that sentiment more now than I ever did before, because I really was able to leave in a really good place, you know, certainly without any negativity or, or any bad feelings, not to say that that was something that was going to happen, because I don't think it was, but I was getting to a point with that show. And I said it on the show, which a lot of people were like, I can't believe how honest you were. Like, they apparently don't know me because I'm always really <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, but I got to a point where I was not... Um, I wasn't excited about doing the show. I wasn't looking forward to it. I had fun doing it. I, you know, I love talking to people and and uh, I love interviews. Um, but I was just, it was starting to f- slowly feel like more of a burden than than a pleasure. And that was the most important piece for me. Um, and then on top of that, you asked me how, but I'm telling you why. Uh, on top of that, I <laughs> decided that I really. Um, you know, I have very limited time. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single parent. I have a full-time job. And I have very limited time in the evenings to do, you know, other stuff. And I've been singing in a choir for a long, long time at church, which is a lot of fun. But it's been a long time since I've been able to really sing with uh, a, a more professional, more focused um, chorus. Uh, and, and Chorus Austin, which is the city chorus, we sing with the symphony a couple times a year. Um, it, it's, you know... It's a much higher level, really, really amazing group of singers. And I just kind of took a leap and auditioned um, and got in. And that was suddenly another three-hour commitment that I added to my week that also happened to be on Monday nights, which is when we usually record speaking in tech. So that happened right around the same time that I was starting to feel a little bit twitchy about being on the show and feel a little bit like I was done. Um, And and so that's a lot of the why. And then the how... I mean, Amy can tell you I called her up, um, and and my first big conversation was with Amy. Uh, you know, so so the most important piece of how was I reached out to people that I trusted and that I knew I could kind of talk it through, and just to have a sounding board and to have and to try to figure out like, am I making the right decision? What are all the pieces here? How do I want to think about this? Uh, and and Amy was a huge huge help to me in that process. I'm a uh, I'm a podcast whisperer, and Greg is really going to kill me now. <laughs> I was going to say, you're basically just admitting fault while also <laughs> cheating on this podcast. So, right, it's Amy, very, how many how many inclined. people, how, Amy, how many people have you convinced to quit their jobs? That's what we'd like to know. When <laughs> if we do metrics on that, John, you're clearly on the leaderboard. Like I'm not in your <laughs> Jay. <laughs> well, hey, so Sarah, I think it's cool that that that, that you quit. I mean, you quit because one, nobody can can uh, accuse you of uh, just doing it. You know, being a dilettante, right? You did it for like five years, so yeah. good. You know, let's you know doing anything for five years um, is great. Uh, two, uh, it's uh, you know it is an extracurricular activity, even though it was one that was highly visible. So. You know, on some sense, it's down the list, right? You got kids and jobs and and things like that uh, way up at the top, um, and other you know fun off work obligations. So, and I don't know, I don't have a three, but I just think I think it's fine <laughs> that you that, that to make a transition because I mean, think about even in your own job, if you were even in your job job, right? If you were doing the same thing for five years, eh, it's probably time to make a change, right? You yeah. you probably are bored or at some level, and so um, you know, even look at. Uh, 
actors who have the most glamorous jobs in our society, right? They do something for five or seven years and it's pretty, they pretty much, uh, uh, jump the shark. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I always struggled to be very, very frank here. I always struggled on that show because I'm not a technologist. And a, a lot of what we talked about with our guests was really pretty technical. And on the one hand, I learned a great deal about the, as I, as I said on my final podcast with them, I learned a lot about the technology landscape. It was a huge kind of educational boon for me to be on that show because we talked to so many people in the industry. I got a sense of what the market was like. I got an underst- a, a better understanding of enterprise technology, data center technology in general. But underlying all of those conversations was a vast ignorance on my part of like how, how any of that shit worked. And, and I was never going to get to the next level. Like I got to a certain point where I understood things better and I could fake my way through a conversation, but I was never going to get past that without actually taking classes or something, which I didn't really have an interest in doing. And that was a piece of frustration for me that was insurmountable because Mm -hmm. of that hurdle that I had. And I, again, it doesn't mean that I'm dumb or any of that stuff. It just means that like this was an area of understanding and, and of knowledge that I was never really going to be able to get past. And it was frustrating and a little bit exhausting for me to try to keep up with conversations with people on a weekly basis about subjects that I didn't really understand. And I I know that people didn't care about that, that our listener listening audience probably didn't care about that, but it still affected me. I really finally got to a place where I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. That's powerful. And I think it's, it's, I'm interested in that transition because I think it is, I think people struggle with that. People struggle enough with decisions that are leaving something hard or bad, you know, much less leaving something in its prime just because it's the right thing for you to do in a bigger context. So I applaud you with your candor and, and with your, your decision matrix and and making a choice that's not easy. It's certainly not the easy choice to make. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of people talk about pursuing something, uh, whether it's a podcast or a blog or something else. And I think uh, a lot of the times, especially in a space where you're building a community, we don't often discuss how difficult it is to let go of those things when we think they're done. So while... This is different than some experiences people might have with their own kind of pursuits of of podcasting and engagement and things. It's a great example of, you know, admitting that it's time to move on and moving on to something else. So I appreciate hearing more about the details. Um, Any other things on transition, Geek Whispers? Uh, So, Sarah, was it was it hard to tell Greg you guys had been uh, podcasting partners for so many years? It was really hard. You know, Greg... um, I have such admiration for Greg, and I've gotten to know him really well, um, obviously, over the last four years, and we've really gotten to become friends. Um, And I've learned a lot from him. He's been a terrific mentor for me as far as just how to run a show, how to run a podcast. I'd done a lot of podcasting before, actually, but never anything that was this organized and consistent. Um, So it was tough. Um, I'll say that you know, it was the best exit interview I ever had. <laughs> and and this was before the show. We did another exit interview on the show, but but he and I had one in private on the phone. And um, truly, 
he was extremely gracious and let me go <laughs> without without guilt tripping me, which I really appreciated. I mean, I we have a lot, I think we have mutual admiration, he and I. So it was hard. And, I, you know, I'm not going to lie, like it's still it was not an easy decision. There's a part of me that for selfish reasons wanted to stay in in a place where I had a lot of visibility. I know it's been good for my career to make that many connections and to network with people in that way. And that was hard to let go of, too. But I know, you know, I, I kind of feel like speaking of this whole how to make that decision, there's a part of you when you're when you're kind of weighing do I do this or do I do that? The 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 A and the B, and you have a columns or whatever of, of how to try to figure it out. If you really quiet down and listen to yourself, you know which way you're leaning. It's kind of like that if you flip a coin up in the air, you know, when you're trying to make a decision, and then before you even look at it, you ask yourself, do I wish it were heads or tails? You know your answer. And then you know how to make that decision. And I really, when when I when I called him up and we talked about it, I hadn't made a final decision yet. It was through my conversation with Greg that I said, you know, I think this is really what I want to do. Um, and he, he was a total uh, sweetheart about it. So I appreciate that. Well, and, and I guess sort of, uh, uh, maybe this is where we ask our, our favorite geek whisperer question, um, <laughs> it, which is, uh, you know, in, in doing these transitions, how how do you decide uh, what you'll never do again? <laughs> in some ways, we're talking about that in the big picture. <laughs> how do you decide what you'll never do again? <laughs> oh, man, there's so many good answers right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've, like, I haven't decided that I'll never do a technology podcast again. Um, I'm pretty sure I'll never try to run a startup again. Uh, <laughs> I'm also pretty sure I'll never get married again. <laughs> Those are things I've transitioned out of and, and uh, don't intend to transition back into. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think when you asked me this question when I was first on the show, not this specific question, but the sort of like, what would you tell our listeners to avoid doing or not to do, your favorite question? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very firmly in the no regrets camp. I think we learn from our mistakes and I think mistakes are incredibly valuable. Uh, and, and amazing teaching tools. So, uh, and speaking in tech was not a mistake, just for the record. It was a, <laughs> it was a wonderful You heard it here first, speaking in tech, biggest mistake in podcast history. <laughs> in your face, Greg, in your face. No, just kidding. But I don't believe in mistakes, really, and I don't really believe in regrets either. Uh, all of the stupid things I've done up until this point have made me who I am, and I'm, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't, like, fucked up a lot on the way. So... I don't have a lot of, of don't do this is for people. Well, I, but I do love, again, as part of the broader story of, um, I think there's, like we said at the beginning and to take it full circle, you have a diverse set of interests and skills and life and all, all of us do, but people don't necessarily talk about it. They sort of stay on one track, I think, or track themselves, you know, so you know one piece of it. But I love how you take this integrated approach. And um, it's not a one-for-one trade to, to pick up uh, a choral project in, in lieu of a, uh, a, podcast pro- a tech podcast project. You're not making that simple, easy trade, right? You're, you're thinking about the whole context. I don't know. I think that's a very, it's a very cool thing to put everything into one big basket and pick your favorite things back out for that moment in time. 
Yeah. And choose what you have energy for and what you don't and how that affects, you know, both that, that personal and that professional. Um, so I think Sarah, just let people know where can they find you on the internet uh, so they can continue to, to hear you rabble rouse and be extremely honest. Well, they can't find me on speaking in tech anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. I'm gone, bitches. No more internet for me. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm so I'm, I'm orchid eight, basically everywhere. Orchid, like the flower eight, the number, just follow me on Twitter, please. And don't, <laughs> don't try to find me anywhere else. <laughs> you got a deal. But I, I think it's uh, inspiring me. Matt and I often like to sing to warm up or, you know, close out the podcast. So I think that it means that there may be, you know, tech podcast, the musical in the, fe- in the future where Sarah I mean, can help us get to that level. We yeah. need to make that happen for sure. <laughs> <laughs> not this year at VMworld. I will sadly not be at VMworld this year, but maybe maybe next year we can uh, we can totally light up the podcast stage yeah. with a little musical. This this would be inappropriate to sing us out. I'm not singing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. Yeah, like let it go. Let it go. <laughs> oh, in post production, we can do anything, right? We can make you sing. You know, we can auto tune you. You know, auto tune me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I want auto tune Sarah. <laughs> well, you have my voice. All you got, like, it's all like you got it. Now all you need to do is go auto tune it. You don't need me for that. If only we knew how. Well, <laughs> I, this was super cool. So Sarah, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur right now, and and I have to do this kind of uh, uh, this value weighing uh, a lot. And it's it's so useful to to step away and kind of figure out what's the most important thing I'm supposed to be doing and what's bringing me joy and what's what's not moving the bar forward and and what's potentially you know uh, gonna gonna transform other things. So I really appreciate it. It's actually made me. I mean, this has been kind of a thoughtful conversation, and I I appreciate getting your perspective. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I think I really do think like think about what you liked doing when you were ten is a is a hugely useful exercise for people. Um, it, it's, it's surprising how well you can apply that to your adult life if you're if you just open your mind to it. <laughs> I like it a lot. So with that, I think we should leave people with that thought experiment. Take your uh, weekend and think through what you were doing at ten, other than picking your nose and uh, <laughs> and pursue that passionately as long as it's applicable. <laughs> And don't with that, don't with this. pull the legs off of flies either. Like that's 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 not what I'm We're talking about. <laughs> no, I want to hear it. I'm hoping some people will tweet our way, um, and and we can hear some of these stories because I'm thinking about it now too. So thank you. Yeah. Cool. So th- thank you so much, Sarah. With that, you are listening to another episode of the Geek Whispers. Over and out. You've been listening to the Geek Whisperers podcast. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers or at Jay Troyer, MJ Brender, and Comms Ninja. Thanks for listening and see you next time.